Today on the podcast, we have Martin Davis, and this is a really unique episode. Uh, He talks about kicking, he talks about uh, writing a book, and we get into a lot of details about both of those, and I know that you will really enjoy this podcast. I really enjoy talking with Martin, and we may have to do another one uh, about just like punting and kicking, because he got into some detail that I want to go deeper into about uh, kicking and punting. Uh, but you will really also uh, enjoy him talking about his book and the stories that that he has about different coaches. And I know you will you will really really love this podcast. Uh, and after a short word from our sponsor, you will hear it. All right, welcome to the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Today we have Martin Davis on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Zach. Glad to be here. Yeah, tell the listener a little bit about yourself uh, as we get going here. Sure. Um, so uh, I'm kind of a latecomer to the game of football. Uh, uh, actually, yesterday was my birthday. I just turned 58. Uh, started coaching a couple of years ago. Um, uh, before that, I uh, uh, spent most of my career as a journalist um, and was an academic before that. Taught uh, taught uh, for a number of years at the university level, but writing and and um, journalism were always sort of in my blood. So I, I wound up doing that for a living, still do that for a living. Um, actually worked for U.S. News and World Report uh, in my day job. Um, but uh, got into coaching a couple of years ago after my son um, played football in high school. Um, he was a punter, place kicker, uh, slot receiver. And um, uh, if you, like a lot of folks, I'm sure listen to your podcast, you have kids who play ball, you know, it becomes a, an all consuming obsession with you. And so for about eight years, um, that pretty much was our life. We lived, ate, drank and slept football. Mm. Uh, and I love sports. Uh, I had no athletic talent growing up, but I love sports. Um, grew up playing it. Um, uh, never was good enough to stand out or excel anywhere, but, but I always had a great time. And in watching my son play and going to, uh, to his training sessions, he actually worked with a private coach at UVA mm-hmm. uh, down, in, down in Charlottesville, uh, who put a big emphasis on making sure that the parents were learning the finer points of punting and place kicking and kickoff. Um, and so I was on the field with him all the time, picking up pointers. And when he graduated high school, you know, he had some college scholarship offers, but decided to join the Marine Corps. Uh, so he's now serving um, out in Yuma, Arizona, doing very well, very proud of him. But when he left, it left a void. And so um, we got a new coach at the school he was at. I gave him a call and I was like, hey, um, you know, I'd love to give coaching a try. And, and here's what I can do. I don't, I'm not an X's and O's kind of guy. Uh, I can learn that stuff. But but I know how to work with kickers. I know how to develop them. I know how to, to get them to, to do more, get more out of them. And uh, much to my surprise, he brought me on, and uh, we've been having a ball ever since. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. You, I, I, as a head coach, I can tell you trying to find assistant coaches sometimes is a very stressful process. <laughs> so uh, it's a, like when people call you up, it's like, hey, are you a good person? Do you have a criminal history? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> can you help me, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can, I can believe that the, uh, you know, I, I really was stunned when I called the guy up um, and his name is uh, Nathan Yates. He's a, 
he's been coaching a long time. Uh, I guess he's, I guess, I guess Yates is in his, I, I don't know, actually, I'm guessing late thirties, early forties. Um, um, but, uh, you know, he coached at uh, Massaponics high school for a long time, which is a big powerhouse school in central Virginia. Yeah. And then he's from Pittsburgh originally. He coached up in Pittsburgh for a while. And I remember going in to, to meet him and talk to him and I was, like just totally intimidated, right? You know, walking through yeah, the office, sure. he's got some, he's got some uh, protection schemes drawn up on the blackboard, and I thought, oh boy, well, this will be the end of my discussion because if we get into a discussion about the technicalities of blocking schemes, he's not going to want to touch me. Yeah, sure. And it, it just didn't go that way. And like I said, we we you know, I've learned a ton about the game. Obviously, I know a lot more about um, chalking up things and, and and drawing up schemes now and and uh, really kind of get into it. Um, uh, but, yeah, it was just, it's just having a great time. I love – I just love working with the guys. Uh, it's been the hardest thing about the pandemic is just not being able to be with the guys. Yeah, and, you know, when, when guys come into interviews and, and they the first thing they want to do is draw up, like, scheme, the alarm goes off in my head. Like, hey, unless I'm interviewing you for a coordinator position, right – but if I'm just interviewing you for like a, you know, a, I don't know, like a position coach, and the first thing you want to do is tell me what offense I should run, it's like, ah, so you did a good yeah. job not doing that. Yeah. 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 No, I didn't know enough to even suggest something like that. Um, so, um, you know, I need, I need to stay away from that. Um, I, I'm old enough and have lived long enough and have gotten wise enough to know when, you know, the smartest thing you can do in your life is hold up to what you don't know. Sure. Yeah. So the one position I know nothing about is how to coach a kicker or a punter. So I would love some pointers, some tips on how, on how to do that. So please educate me on how to coach our, our punters and our kickers. So, you know, that's, that's a, that's a great thing. So, one of the things that happens a lot, especially at the high school level, because you don't have people who can dedicate time to them, uh, is people wind up just kind of letting kickers go off to the side and they kick. Yeah. The problem with that is, um, I understand why it happens, but the problem with it is kicking, I think more than most things on a football team, kickers um, – Kicking is a skill that is, it requires, it, it's all technique. And if your technique is off, mm -hmm. you're only going to go so far. Um, and to get the technique right uh, requires time and refinement. Uh, the thing a lot of people don't appreciate is that of all the things that kickers do, place kicking, probably the easiest. That's the easiest to coach, the easiest to teach. Really? Yeah, it's, it's by far the easiest, by far the most difficult thing to teach and to learn is punting. Huh, okay. And it gets overlooked a lot. The reason punting is so difficult, um, a lot of things have to come together very quickly. If, if you watch a really good punter, uh, if you watch a Marquise King, um, someone of that caliber, uh, even Ray Guy from when I was growing up. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what they named the award after, right? Yes, the Ray Guy Award for the best punter every year. Uh, you watch, you watch guys like that. 
uh, or even the guy who coached my son, Jimmy Howell, down at Charlottesville, who was a four-year starter down at UVA. You watch these guys, and it looks absolutely effortless. Mm. There is very little motion. There's, there's no wasted movement at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, get some video, look at those guys, and then go out and look at your high school kicker. You know, and their body is flailing all over the place. Their arms are everywhere. When they're kicking the ball, they're laying back. Um, you know, their legs are flying all over the place. Every bit of that motion is wasted motion and wasted energy. And to get someone to the point where they can control their body and drive up and through the ball uh, to get the kind of hang times and distance you want to get, it takes a couple years of work. Um, and, you know, with my son, for example, my son, it, it took him, it took him about two years to really get good at it. Um, and that was two years of really hard work. I mean, he practiced every single day for years and years and years. Um, and it was for him, it was a combination of, you know, at, at that, especially at the high school level, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17, I mean, you're still growing into your body. You're yeah. still trying to gain control of your body. Um, my son was really coordinated. He had great hand-eye coordination. He used to skateboard all the time. Great hand-eye coordination, mm-hmm. which really helps with punting. Um, but he was always a little on the scrawny side. Um, he learned the techniques, but he didn't really take off until his junior year when he started getting seriously into weightlifting. Yeah. He bulked up. And a lot of people think, well, kickers shouldn't do weights. Just the opposite. Um, weightlifting is critically important to building the muscle mass and the speed that you need uh, to do it. My son now is an Olympic weightlifter. He's actually oh, man. competing at the U.S. Open Weightlifting Championships in Atlanta in December. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it, takes, uh, it takes a lot of work, a lot of time. Um, the biggest thing is just technique, technique, technique. Uh, the minute a the minute a kicker tries to power up is when everything goes wrong. Mm. And um, so it's also true that, you know, a lot of people sort of joke that kickers are head cases and there's some truth to that, but a lot of kicking is just, it's mental. It really is. It's, it's, it's the ability to stay calm and cool in a high pressure situation. And I think the thing people don't appreciate about kickers is you know, a quarterback goes out and he throws a pick. All right, he feels bad. He right. should feel bad, especially if you made a bad read or, you know, sure. whatever. And he goes to the sideline and you know, maybe the coach chews on his ear a little bit and they pull the video up and look at what they did wrong. And four or five minutes later, he's back out there going again. Yeah. A kicker makes a bad kick or makes a bad play. It could be two weeks before they see the field again. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And that's yeah. hard. That's really, really hard. Um, and, you know, it. in order to deal with that kind of pressure, you've got to stay calm. Um, and the only way you can stay calm is to be so adept at what you're doing mm-hmm. that it's, it's second nature. Um, and it just takes a lot of work and a lot of time to get there. You know, the guys that I've been around that are good – kickers or exactly what you were talking about like your son they were really dedicated to it I mean like they 
like they did it all the time. They went to camps. Uh, and I mean, when I say all the time, like during practice, they're working right. on something and right. they were weightlifters. So their body was strong. Mm-hmm. It, I think, and I'm thinking, you know, most high school programs probably don't have a kicker like your son. So I know I just try to put like a good athlete at punter. So like if the snap's bad, if the snap's bad, it's like, hey, just catch it, you know, one step and kick it. Yeah. You know, I've been through a couple of years as a, as a coach. We didn't even have a, like a true field goal extra point right. kicker. Right. Um, so like if I want to develop somebody into like an extra point field goal kicker or punter, like what are some simple things that like coaches can do to try to develop a kid that maybe can kick a ball somewhat. Okay. Like what are some like easy things they can do to try to get them to be useful during the game? So I would start with place kicking because again, you can teach place kicking fairly easily. Um, the biggest thing with place kicking, um, uh, biggest thing with place kicking is, at least from the, from the from the actual kicking component, I'm not talking about you know, to, to make it work on the field. You've got to have a long snapper and a holder. Oh yeah, concert. So that's a, that's sort of another issue. But as far as just the kicker goes, um, the best thing to do really is to go raise your soccer program. Uh, okay. 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 So those guys know how to kick to begin with. Now, the biggest thing you've got to deal with with a soccer player is that kicking a soccer ball and kicking a football are two very different kinds of yeah. skills. With a soccer ball, your point is to keep the ball low and mm-hmm. under a ten-foot crossbar. Of course, in football, you need to get it up very quickly and get it over a ten-foot crossbar. I have never thought about that. But oh my gosh, that's like, you know. Yeah. It's it's a it's and, and the way that a soccer kicker will kick the ball if you watch them, uh, like, like last summer, um, you know the program we were kind of starting from scratch. And so during the summer, you know, uh, I didn't work in the building because uh, I you know I work outside the school building. But uh, the coaching staff started you know, putting out the word like if you want to kick, you know, they get they give kids my number and I go meet them at the field and I just put them through a few regiments, and these soccer kids would come out and. You know, they're like, they're all psyched. You know, I'm ready to go, coach. I can do this, you know. And they and they sit up and they hit a 45-yard field goal. And they're like, yeah, I got it, man. I'm looking great. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's okay. I said, the problem is it took you seven steps to get to the ball. Yes, yes. By the time you get there, you know, there's four guys in your face who are going to block that and put you on your butt. Yeah. So that ain't going to work. So, so the biggest thing with soccer kickers is very often if you see them kick, I, I forget who the – who the woman on the U.S. national team who went and did some place kicking for the Eagles? Mm-hmm. A lot of it was it Brandy Chastain. I can't remember. I think it was Chastain. Yeah, Brandy Chastain. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's great, right? I mean, she kicked like a fifty-some odd yard ball. But if you watched her, she took five steps to get to the ball. Yeah, you can't do that. It's was it two steps, right? You you got two steps. Yeah. Uh, so from snap to kick, you've got one point three seconds. And you've got yeah. to drill that into, you know, if you're getting anything off and over 1.3, the odds of it being blocked go way up. If you're over 1.5, forget it. I mean, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. Um, so you've got to first teach them to, to shorten their steps to three. And the biggest mistake I see kickers make is I, I see them weaving all over the place. We were playing a, a, a crosstown opponent last year and um, a coach that I knew was, was coaching there. And, you know, you, you banter with other coaches before the game and sure. his, 
he had a kicker who was warming up and I was watching this kid. Great leg, kicked the ball a mile, but when he approached, he liked to snake. So he'd step left and he'd step right and he'd step left again and kind of readjust and his body's doing all this work. And he's like, you know, what kind of tips would you give my kicker? And I was like, what, tonight? He's like, I'm not telling him anything tonight. You know, yeah, I'm going to win. About, you know, after we beat you, I'll call, you know, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, <laughs> they actually wound up beating us. But but we talked about it. So I said, the biggest thing that kid needs to do is learn to walk a straight line. Um, and, and it really is, you know, three steps back, two steps over. Make sure that you're creating that 90-degree angle. Um, and then it's it's just step, spot, gone. And um, for a soccer kicker, the toughest part of that is not creating the angle and not taking the steps. The toughest part of it is if you watch them, as soon as they kick the ball, the left side of their body starts to fall over. Yes. Start to yes. pull out. And so the thing you have to teach them to do is with their plant foot to step straight into the kick. And if you watch videos of, of really good kickers, you watch what they do, that plant foot, once they kick it, they'll skip up and they'll step, you know, almost straight into the, into the goalpost. Mm -hmm. The reason that matters is, you know, on a 20 yard PAT, you know, doesn't matter. But every five yards back you go, the degree of difficulty goes up by a factor of two. Mm -hmm. And so if you, you know, if you're trying a 45 yard kick and you're pulling out, you're probably going to pull it. You're probably going to push it right or pull it left. Yeah, uh, you've got to be straight on. So that's that's probably the biggest thing for a place kicker to learn. It's just getting them to to rep that and to follow that technique through. The other thing is not to crunch, which is not to bend over at your waist. You want to be vertical. You want to be you know leaning forward just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, just those few tips can make a big difference. Um, as far as the teamwork goes, the hardest thing to teach the kicker is um to um to move on the holder's hand um everyone wants to use a block and i'm like no nah, we're not using blocks you're wasting your time um make the holder put that left hand down to hold the spot and you've got to train the kicker they can't look at what's coming off the edge they can't worry about it uh if they start worrying about the edge they're toast because everyone's going to overload one side right sure yeah uh, but you know, the, the special teams coordinator at our school is a math guy, you know, so like mm. to help calm our kickers down, he's like, he does the math. He's like, I, and I'm horrible at math. Okay. I taught history. Um, but um, he does the math and I forget, I forget how many yards you've got to cover coming off the edge when you've got like yard and a half splits on the offensive line, but yeah. it's like 14, 15 yards. Well, if you go the way at one point, no one's going to cover 15 yards in 1.3 seconds. Not at the high school level. Yeah, they shouldn't, right? <laughs> and they shouldn't. Um, so uh, don't look at the edge. Just watch that holder. And the holder has to learn that the moment he pulls that left hand up, or right hand if it's a left-handed kicker, but most kickers are right-footed. So the moment he pulls that left hand up to receive the ball, that sets everything in motion. And getting the kicker to realize, look, when you see that hand come up, you're going. You don't stop for anything. You've got to go. Yeah. That's the everything that high school kickers struggle with is they see the ball, they see that hand come in, and they start to go. And then it's like something goes off in their head. And they're like, well, wait a minute. The ball's not down. No, the ball's not going to be down. 
Um, and again, if you watch a college team that does it really, really well, and you played at East Carolina, so I'm sure you saw some great kickers there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of time, when the kicker's plant foot is down, if you slow the film down, the ball still isn't on the ground. Right. Uh, it's a, it's, I like to talk about it as a symphony, right? I mean, the long snapper and the holder and the place kicker have to be in sync. And that's the biggest thing that you have to kind of coach. And it's just a timing thing. And once you get it, you know, it's, it's automatic. Yeah. I was a long snapper in high school and that's something we're working on. Okay. At Nitro like is, you know, our long snapper, the holder, um, you know, we got to give it more time than we've have been giving it. Uh, we had a, a kicker last year who, who uh, didn't show to practice a ton. So we didn't kick a lot of, I think we, we tried like one field goal, so, but he, yeah. we would kick extra points. Um, but yeah, that was interesting for sure. I, and a couple a couple years ago, we had a kicker that was a pretty good kicker. I mean, we kicked field goals and extra points and yeah. stuff. Um, you know, so I'm guessing you're against the coaches that say go for two every time because there is a there is a group of those, right? You know, you know, I, I'm actually there's there's a coach in Arkansas who kind of is the father of that school, and, and I've I've read his book and. He's got a lot of stats in there. The problem with statistics is um, statistics are always uh, you've got to factor in a lot of other things, right? And there's a reason in the NFL that on fourth and one from the 32-yard line, they kick, right? The defenses are so fast. They are so strong. You know, it's tough on short and long when you load up with eight and nine guys in the box. And you've got two shutdown corners who can play man up on on your receivers. It's it's tough to gain a yard and a half in the NFL. Yeah. It's tough to pick up a yard and a half at the Division One level, Division Two level. Um, in high school, depends on who you're playing. Right, yeah. our teams you all over. And so, you know, if we're playing a team that's really weak uh, defensively, and and you know, um, our, I don't mean weak in a physical sense, but I just mean the thing about high school is, you know, you've got guys who are next level players and you've got guys who are, they're good athletes, but you know, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. And then you've got guys that you're plugging in because I got to put 11 guys on the field and yes. this is the best guy I got to plug out there. So if you're playing a team that's plugging in a lot of guys then okay, go ahead. But I always ask coaches this about, about that. How many games, if you're honest with yourself, how many games have you seen at the high school level that have been lost because of, because people won't kick? Yeah. I mean, we, we, a lot. We were, we were in situations, we've been in situations in the time I've been a head coach where I would have kicked, but I didn't feel comfortable with our operation. Yeah. I wouldn't say kicker. I just say the operation, you know, the right. long snap, the hold, the kick. Um, we definitely won games because of a kicker, right? Because we've kicked extra yeah. points the other team couldn't. Um, definitely. I, that point's very – I understand your point there, absolutely. <laughs> well, if, you, know, you have to kind of look at the long haul. I mean, I've seen a lot of high school games over the last 15 years, 10, 15 years. And, you know, one game that still stands out in my mind that, that still frustrates me to this day was a game that my son played in. Um uh, he played, he played, we had a game where the offense coordinator was reluctant to kick because he bought into this, hey, you just go for it mindset. Yeah. 
And as a parent, I was a parent at that point. So it was frustrating for me because I'm sitting there and I'm like, really, you've got a kid who consistently hits from 55 yards and you're afraid to kick. Something is wrong here. Yeah. But, you know, there was a game where early in the first quarter, they got down inside the 10. I think it was fourth and goal from the six and they went for it Mm -hmm. and they were stopped. Uh, that happened two other times in the course of the game. Uh, I came back and counted. There were seven opportunities in that game where they would have had, they had fourth downs and the place kick would have been no more than 42 yards. Well, he was money from that distance. Yeah. They kicked once he drilled it. Mm -hmm. They wound it the other five times. They didn't go for it. They wound up losing the game by 11. I would have won. I kicked you every time. Good gracious. And that happens a lot. Now, obviously, you've got to know your kicker. You've got to know what their range and their distance is. And by the way, you asked about, about the kicker. You know, from a coaching point of view, the best thing coaches can do is track every single ball that's kicked. Literally have a piece of paper um, and sit there. And during practice, limit the number of kicks. And you need to mark, are they kicking from the left, kicking from the right, kicking from the middle? What's the distance and are they making it? Or are they missing it? Um, you know, track that information. You need to know exactly where your kicker can go from. And if you've got that and you know that, I mean, you're going to have more confidence in what they can and can't do. Um, and um, it just, it makes a world of difference. But I've seen a lot of games lost because people are afraid to kick. Um, and um, yeah, you know, it's a, uh, it frustrates me because I hate to see games lost like that. You know, games that should be won. Absolutely. That's we a couple years ago we had a coach do that. He would track, you know, where he, like especially you know, during practice and also pregame, like where's he comfortable from, you know, all that mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And that's that's awesome. So Martin, let's transition here. You write a book. Yep. And you have a, a website and I want, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that. Obviously your kicking knowledge just blew my, my mind. Like I'm, <laughs> I want to go back and like take notes in my own podcast. That's kind of strange, but I'm going to do it because I need to know these things. Um, so talk about that. Uh, that's how we first kind of connected through Twitter. Yes. And uh, I think it's, it's fantastic. I think it's, it's awesome. Well, thanks. So yeah, the book is called 30 days with America's high school coaches. It's actually a pretty simple premise. Um, um, and it, it, the, the sort of the seed for the book, and again, I'm a journalist professionally, so I write all the time, that's what I do. Um, but the seed for the book really got planted with my son and what he went through. Now, my son was a really good athlete, uh, absolutely hated school. And he will tell you today that it, were it not for football, were it not for his coaches, he would not have graduated. Now think about what that means. Um, the military no longer accepts GEDs. What's a TED? Uh, the graduate, uh, I forget what the, uh, it's the high school equivalency exam. So people who oh, okay. don't finish school can take the GED to get a high school equivalency diploma. It used to be that the military would take GEDs um, if people wanted to join. That doesn't ring true anymore because like everything else in life, the military is hyper competitive. Uh, They're competing for for the best people. 
So if my son doesn't finish high school, he can't join the Marine Corps where he's excelling now. Mm -hmm. um, his coach, uh, Tony DeMarco, uh, you know, that guy took my son and a lot of other guys under his wing and got them through school, gave them a sense of purpose, uh, gave them a place to be. Um, you know, those, those, uh, those teenage years, they're hard. They're really hard. Um, uh, my son and I have a great rapport now, a great relationship, but I can tell you those last two years he was home, it won't always great. You know, yeah. um, I'm still trying to be dad. I know everything. Right. And, sure. uh, and he's like, you're an old man. You're stupid. You don't know anything. You don't know what the world is like. Uh, and so you clash, you know, mm -hmm. um, those coaches he didn't clash with. Um, my son's heavily, gotten heavily into weightlifting. Um, so he's uh, actually going to be competing at the U.S. Open Weightlifting Championships in Atlanta. He just qualified last weekend. Um, I think he's clean and jerking. He, he weighs like 172 now. He can clean and jerk 345 pounds. Oh, my gosh. And he's snatching like 310, something Woo. like that. Um, you know, he's, he's quite the weightlifter. Well, he learned that. Uh, from Coach Clancy in high school, who was a retired former Marine, uh, who was a strength and conditioning coach, who, you know, originally my son didn't want to lift weights. Um, his kicking coach told him, no, don't waste your time. Hmm. And Coach Clancy's like, no, man, you, you need to lift. We're going to get you lifting. And, oh, man, he just became a weight room rat. He lives in the weight room, still lives in the weight room. And, um, you know, again, a high school coach, a guy who volunteers his time. Uh, you know, Coach Clancy, the work he does takes him, like a lot of people in the Fredericksburg area where I live, they go up north to, to Washington or they go out east to Dahlgren uh, for military contractor type jobs. And, you know, so they do what I do. When, when you're in season, you get up at four in the morning, you go to work, you work from six to two, you beat it back, you battle traffic so you can get home in time for practice. Hmm. And we do this because we love it, because we love the guys, because we want to spend time with them. So, you know, as a parent, I really appreciated the kind of impact that they had on my son. And I started watching the other, the other guys and what happened. Uh, then I started coaching. And I just had some moments when I was coaching where it was like, you don't realize the impact you have. Um, so we were talking about kickers kind of being head cases, right? So I had a kicker. Kid was just a, he was a basket case. He really was. <laughs> I hope he ain't listening, but he's a little quirky, you know? And, and uh, I remember the first week of practice, um, we had lined the whole team up on the end zone just to kind of simulate some pressure, right? And this, I got two young kickers, they're out there and they're just, they're struggling. You know, they're just, I had to sort of reset their whole technique. So they were learning that still. And they were just, they hadn't really been putting any kind of pressure before. They were really struggling. And some kid at the end of the line says, how hard can it be to make a 20 yard field goal? Oh, shoot. Well, the head coach heard it. He started to walk in that direction. And before he could get his first step down, I lost it. I am running like a madman, screaming, yelling, cussing, calling people out. Um, you know, like if you think this is so easy, I've got 10 balls here. I dare anyone to come out here and go 10 for 10. I dare you. Right. And I mean, I just went nuts. And um, 
I, I, it was so bad that that night I came home, I told my wife, I said, well, I probably just had the shortest coaching career in history because I'm sure they're going to fire me tomorrow morning. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually texted the head coach that night. I was like, coach, I, I lost my cool. I'm sorry. He's like, no, you're good. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, but, um, you know, you work in an office environment all your life. You don't, you don't lose your cool like that. But um, um, I didn't think about the end of the season. I went in to talk to the head coach at the end of the year about whether or not I would come back. And we chatted. He said, I wanted to tell you something that day you lost your cool. I said, oh, what's that? He said, I didn't want to say anything to you at the time. He said, but after you kind of blew up, he said, you know, we were coming out to practice field, going up the hill, and that kicker came up to him. And he said, um, Coach Davis is a little intense at me. And he said, yeah, he said he takes kicking very, very seriously. And he expects you to be spot on. He expects you to be perfect. That's, that's his goal. Um, he said, he's also got my back, doesn't he? Mm. And he said, yeah, Coach Davis will go to war for you anytime. Yeah. And it's, it's such a little thing, right? You know, I mean, I'm 58 years old. Um, but for, for, that, for that 17-year-old kid, it was a game. That kid won two games for us. Yeah. Um, saw him in the grocery store couple of months ago and just chatting and he's getting ready to go off to college. And I'm like, you know, you're going to be, he wants to be an engineer. I mean, you're going to be a great engineer. Keep in touch. I'm really proud of you. Uh, you know, good luck. I started to turn around when he said, coach I turned around. I said, yeah. He said, man, thank you for everything. And it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. You know, the impact you have on these kids is tremendous. So I got thinking, gee, I wonder, wonder what kind of stories are out there. And, um, uh, I have a good friend of mine in Detroit who runs a medium-sized publishing house. He's been after me to write a book for a couple of years. Mm. And so I called him and I said, hey, let's, I, I want to write a book about high school coaching. And he was like, really? No. College coaches, pro coaches, yeah. I said, no, high school is where it's at. Yeah. So he started talking and people got really excited. So he said, yeah, go ahead and see what you can find. So I just started out by contacting high school athletic associations all across the country. Told him I wanted to write a book about high school coaches. Wasn't really interested in X's and O's. I was interested more in how coaches develop relationships with their players and what that means and how that plays out. Mm. And uh, had some great response. Um, and I just started talking to coaches. And it was interesting because when you go to write a book like this, you never really know what you're going to find until you start talking. So my fear was I was going to have 80 interviews and they all said, I love kids. Okay. Yeah. That's not what I got. And so I wound up interviewing coaches in 12 varsity sports, men and women. Uh, I interviewed coaches who are legends. I, I interviewed just two days ago, I interviewed a baseball coach in California. He'd been coaching for 40 years. Oh I don't know how many sectional championships, regional championships he's won. It's, it's nuts. He's in the coaching hall of fame in California. Uh, and the impact this guy has had on his community beyond words. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, there's his story. There's stories in uh, a basketball coach in Tennessee who's created this great culture, who's constantly winning. And I think in 10 years, he's sent three guys to Division One programs. Oh, man. Geez. He's in the state championship contention every single year. And he does it because he gets the most out of the players he has. He's got this 
great program that he's created that he runs. Um, and so telling these stories, and so what I did is I, I just, I tell these stories. I don't lay a lot of my interpretation over top of it. I really just run them like interviews. But when I interview the coaches, I ask very few questions. Um, I just get them talking about coaching. Mm-hmm. And when I hear something I like, I kind of will redirect them and slow them down a little bit, get a little more detail. But basically the, the, the 30 chapters that I've written are the coaches talking about what they do. Mm-hmm. And the, the fun thing about it is, you know, my hope is that coaches and parents, especially parents, we all know about parents and what they can be like. Uh, and having been one of those parents, I, you know, I understand. Uh, but also the athletes, um, the directors, you know, I'm hoping they'll read this book and they will, they will see there's so much more to coaching than Nexus and O's. There's so much more to coaching than what goes on on Friday nights or what goes on the baseball field or what goes on the gymnasium. Um, that's the real impact, the real power these coaches have. And I think personally that coaches are the ones who are raising up America's next generation of leaders. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a there was a survey a couple of years back uh, that, a, that one of the teachers put put me on to. I think it was I forget the big consulting firm out of Boston that did it, but they surveyed um, corporate CEOs. Eighty eight percent of them credit their high school athletic coaches and athletic experiences with developing their leadership skills. Holy cow! Among women CEOs. 97% point to their high school athletic careers and coaches Gee, as being the reason for the development of their careers. Mm. And so I have, you know, I cover, I cover women's sports. I have women coaches. I have, you know, traditional for the football, baseball, basketball, but then we also have, uh, you know, women's basketball. I have soccer. I have uh, lacrosse. I have squash. I mean, squash. I mean, squash. Okay. Squash. You know, I, I didn't even know they even played that at the high school level. Uh, and it, it, elite uh, private schools, they did. But, uh, you know, great interview with this guy who coached squash for years. Um, women's wrestling. Um, hmm. did a great interview with a coach in Los Angeles, um, Luis Gonzalez, who started coaching wrestling in the late 90s. And they occasionally have these women who would come in. It was a largely Hispanic school. And they'd have the occasional woman who would want to wrestle. And I remember asking him, you know, how do you deal with that? He's like, it's like, really? You want to wrestle? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, in 2013, California sanctioned women's wrestling as a varsity sport. So the school said, okay, well, we'll do this. 45 women in that school turned out to wrestle. Oh that school has won, I think, four state championships in women's wrestling. Mm. They are a powerhouse. And I asked them, what's the difference between coaching a, a woman wrestler and a, man, and a, and a men's wrestler? What's, it's just wrestling. Yeah. It's just wrestling. You know? Um, um, and the whole community is behind it. It's, it's amazing. I mean, the whole community, in, 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 and I forget now, I'm going to the town in Los Angeles. LA is huge, as you know, but mm-hmm. at this school, it's like the whole community is behind it. I mean, they get thousands and thousands turning out for these matches to watch these young women. He said the hardest thing is for us guys. His guys are also consistently winning state titles, and they're overshadowed by the women. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Wow. You know, and so that's that's what the book has become. It's it's been a real journey for me uh, as a writer, as a coach, to 
to hear these really incredible, inspiring stories. That's awesome, Martin. Where can people find out about the book, pick up the book? Where can they go do that? Okay, so um, uh, the book is scheduled to be released in early 2021. Okay. Um, so um, normally pre-orders will start, um, will start uh, about three months before. Okay. Uh, the best place to go uh, to, to sort of stay on top of this is um, um, uh, I have a website with kind of a wonky name. I'm in the process of changing the name, so I won't burden folks with the name of the website. Um, but um, I would point people to a publication called Read the Spirit, um, R-E-A-D-T-H-E-S-P-I-R-I-T.com. Uh, that's a publication that comes out every Monday. It's an online magazine. Uh, the guy who runs it, is also the founder of the publishing house. It's my friend David Crum, uh, 30 year journalist for the Detroit Free Press. He's won every award there is to win in journalism. Uh, probably the best writer editor I've ever been around in my life, and I've been around a lot of them. Um, but um, I occasionally run pieces in there, usually once a month. I'm actually running a piece Monday, 27th, uh, about the baseball coach in Monterey, California. Um, Go there, watch those pages. You can certainly find out about it there. Uh, I also have an e-newsletter that people can sign up for. And what I will do is I'll send you the link to the website or you have it and find a way to put it up. That'd be great. That's the best place. It's the best way to stay on top of it and learn about it. Yeah, I'll put all this information in the show notes and okay. people can access it and, and right. go from there. Uh, Martin, Matt, thank you for coming on. This has been, <clears throat> excuse me, this has been awesome. You've taken your time on the early what's today early Tuesday morning to yeah. come on and, and talk to me. I appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a real thrill. And uh, if you ever want to get together and do a show just on kicking, I'd love to talk. We didn't even get to punting. Yeah, shoot. We will definitely, definitely. That's the fun one, that. man. Heck yeah. That's Thank you, Martin. One. I appreciate Thank you, Zach. it. Have a great day. Dude.